Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Sporting Voices podcast with me, Steve Hall. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Dean Wilson, who's the cricket correspondent for the Daily Mirror. And I'm going to chat to Dean about what it's like to cover England, what it's like to be on tour and a whole range of topics. So first of all, Dean, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, very uh, good to be here. Nice to speak to you, Steve. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, let, let's crack straight into it then, Dean. I, I always have taken interviews with, with a similar question from most of my guests. It's was cricket journalism or journalism always something that you had your eye on from an early age, or is, is it something that you, you went into a little bit later down the line? Um, do you know what? It, it, as I, I have answered this a few times, and um, and my answer has kind of changed as I've realised. Um, actually, that I, I kind of got into journalism earlier and earlier. Um, so I, I actually first started writing about cricket and in in, in uh, any kind of formal way when I was playing um, club cricket, and I used to uh, I used to do the reports for my local club um, and put them into the the Harrow Observer, which was our our local paper. Um, now. Uh, you know, I didn't have any designs on actually getting into journalism at, at that point, but um, it sort of dawned on me that, yeah, actually that probably was the first time. And, and then, you know, steadily from there, I wrote uh, in my university, uh, in my university paper uh, on sport. Uh, I used to write a little bit about cricket and a little bit about rugby. Um and then I actually, yeah, kind of decided to go in, into journalism, you know, full time, did a postgrad in journalism and uh, and kind of worked my way through from there. So, yeah, probably going back earlier than I realised, um, but I have I've always taken a keen interest in in the written word and 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 have read voraciously, certainly a lot about sport um, as a as a kid. Absolutely. For me, you've got what I would class as like my dream job. I would just love to have your job of following right updates, right about cricket every single day. It, it's an amazing thing you do. I wanted to talk to you about going to the actual role itself. Um, first of all, I want to speak about touring. Like, it, it's not like if you're like a football journalist where you might fly to Spain for a day or two. Like, if England go on a tour of India or Australia or South Africa, you can be there for, for months and months and months. Um, Obviously, you're a family man, you've got family ties and stuff. Is that quite difficult to be away for that about a period of time? Because it does sound like something that would, would could take a strain eventually. Um, well, I, first of all, I, I agree with you. I do think I, I do have the, the dream job, absolutely. Um, whenever I kind of break it down to its simplest form and, and say, yeah, I get paid to go and watch cricket all over the world, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Obviously, there's a bit more to it than that. But, you know, in the basic form, yeah, I think it's a dream job. Um, but it does, yeah, it does come with its, um, you know, pluses and minuses. And the touring side of it is both, I think, the best part of the job um, and to some extent, you know, the worst. Um, certainly, uh, has become so as you mentioned since I since I had a family when I when I first started touring so my first tour was back in 2003 uh, I went to Sri Lanka um on a, on the England tour um I had a great time really really enjoyed it um probably stayed in some slightly less appealing um digs than I than I than I have done subsequently but it, it was great fun I was young you know trying to get into the uh, into the um, industry as much as possible and um and, and yeah and loved it and and I've always enjoyed 
traveling um i've done i've done so you know from a young age and um the idea of being able to go to to places i, I went to sri lanka in 03 i was actually at a um an agency called haters teamwork um right from the outset so while i was still there i i also went uh, i did some athletics in i went to paris in 03 i went to athens olympics in 04 and then the lions tour to new zealand in in 05 so I did a fair bit of traveling, not just with cricket, but you're right. The thing about cricket is that you're away for an awfully long time at times. And and when you're younger, I mean, my when I first joined the Mirror uh, in 2006, um, I then went uh, to Australia. I went on my first Ashes tour at six seven. Uh, came home, I think, for about two weeks um spent three months in australia came home for about two weeks and then went to to the west indies for the world cup in 2007 which was another sort of two months um away so yeah kind of five and a bit months out of six um i was touring and and for a you know 26 27 year old um at the time that was um you know that was absolute heaven um i didn't really have um too many ties um and uh could you know could could enjoy that experience um and then as i've got older um got married had kids yeah the, the the time away can be can be tricky can be tough uh um but you you try and, and make the best of it that you can so for example you know we go away to australia or, or you know certainly pre-covid times we'd go away to australia over christmas a new year the same in south africa and and you try and you get your family to to come out and and spend some time you know in a in a nice place and nice country and bit of sun and you spend christmas over there with with your kids and 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 that's a that's a bit of a a plus as well that they get to to see a bit of the world you know uh, alongside you um but it's not you know it's not easy you know some parts of the world we go and it's a bit more tricky to to get certainly young children out there um you know uh, we tour sri lanka bangladesh um india um and i you know I, I i can't wait to get my kids to come over to to india with me and, and show them and show them that and actually you know the pre the tour that's just gone probably would have been an opportunity to do that had it not been for, for covid and kind of stopping um stopping travel so so that's the kind of plus side to it but yeah you know six seven eight weeks um in a hotel or moving from hotel to hotel uh, and talking to your kids on facetime um or on the phone you know is not quite the same but what i would say is that you know we're, we're incredibly lucky to be able to have those technology technological advances at the moment when you know, for a lot of uh, journalists and, and players and, and so on in years gone by, you know, barely had any contact. You know, you, you might get a postcard, you might get, you know, the odd phone call once a week if you manage to book a, a time on the exchange. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that was really tough. So at least I get to see my kids and talk to them and uh, and all the rest of it, you know, whenever I want, whenever they want. Um, and, and that's that's better than nothing. Yeah, for sure. And, and sticking on the theme of touring, what I've noticed, obviously, because you're out there for a long time, you know, you'll, you'll interact with the players a lot. So you, you know, I've noticed with cricket journalists, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, is that there seems to be a lot of interaction with the players around the group and stuff. Is Obviously, that's a good thing for you guys because you're getting stories and you're getting the, the knowledge and stuff. But if you wanted to 
you know, if you criticise the player in your first piece of, of a tour and you you have to see that guy for the next six, seven weeks, does that become a little bit awkward or is the, do you have re, no real issues along that line? Oh, look, I think that's just p- par for the course, really, in, in the job that we do. I mean, yeah, of course, there are, you know, positive relationships that you build up with players and, and coaches and, and stuff, you know, throughout. Um, but, you know, essentially, you, you can't be... Uh, scared or or worried about you know telling the truth you know where where it's appropriate and I think we all have to find that that line that kind of balancing act between um, you know forming friendships and forming relationships but but also you know at times like you say you, you know you have to criticize I mean you know on tour there probably is a little bit more opportunity to to see the players and 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 you know, maybe share a drink or, or, or go for a coffee or something like that because you're all in the same place. You're kind of a captive audience, really. Um, there's probably slightly less interaction now than there than there was when I started, even sort of 15, 20 years ago. But um, yeah, there's definitely a little bit more of that on on tour. Um, but yeah, you have to, you know, you have to be a journalist and you have to try and find the truth and. You know, most most of the time, I think when players either do something wrong or perform poorly or, or whatever, you know, they're they're open to fair criticism. I think, um, you know, sometimes they get a bit irate and a bit annoyed, not necessarily because you've criticised them, but probably because they know it deep down that they haven't they haven't performed well or, or whatever themselves, and nobody likes being told something that you kind of know is obvious to yourself. Um, you probably don't need um, a journalist tapping it out and, and putting it in black and white, but that's the nature of that's the nature of our of our industry of our job. And and I think I think really, if you if you're fair with it, if you you know if there's if if it's coming from a place of kind of constructive criticism rather than just um, taking pot shots, you know, for the fun of it, then then I think your your relationships with players can can survive that and and. You know, they know you're just doing a job and uh, and and they respect that. It, it doesn't always work that way. There's been one or two that I've fallen out with, um, probably irreparably. But uh, I think by and large, um, most of the most of the players kind of accept that uh, that it's done fairly. Yeah, for sure. And sticking on, on this theme, then you mentioned there were players doing stuff wrong. One thing I've noticed as a huge cricket fan is if you look back at a lot of the tours you've been on or even home series like cricket for, for such a gentle gentlemanly sport like there's been a lot of scandals so you mentioned that world cup you went to early doors where freddie flintoff got sacked as vice captain and we've had you know kevin peterson texting the south africans we've had tons of stuff from even australia with sam Papergate and stuff it's like for, for such a, a, a gentlemanly sport there does seem to be a lot of these kind of instances what are they like to cover is that something that you relish or is that something you'd rather not be doing would you rather just be focusing on what's happen out on the pitch because like I say these things crop up more often than they probably need to in, in such a such a sport um well what I would say first of all I, I would disabuse anyone of the idea that that cricket is in any way more gentlemanly or or beyond reproach in any way beyond any other sport um you know I I, I chuckle at times you know that cricket um seems to like to hold itself to some kind of higher power and, and, and talk about the spirit of the game and things like that. Look, of course, you know, you want to play the game as fairly as 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 you should do, but it's a 
it's a tough game. It's a tough sport. I mean, I think I think people don't really you know. People look at um, cricket guys in their whites, you know, on the village green and having a, a, a sandwich at tea and, and think it's it's a genteel sport. But you know, at the highest level, internet, you know, Test cricket, international sport, it is blood, sweat, and tears. It's really physical. It's really um, demanding on on the on the brain as well as the body and 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 these guys are you know giving everything to try and win and, and when that's the case you know they are going to be flashpoints they're you know and they're going to be moments that that people cross a line and you know you touch on sandpaper gate there for example and you know that's an example of of, of you know putting success above absolutely anything else and and just kind of unraveling and, and getting out of control um I would also say that, you know, these are utterly normal people. So, you know, the sort of things that go on in society, you know, you shouldn't be surprised to see them going on in cricket and, and in sport. You know, I think we, we sometimes like to hold our, you know, superhuman sportsmen and women up to, you know, kind of incredible standards. You know, they can do incredible things on the field or on the track or whatever and, we think that that somehow makes them able to hold them to a different standard of kind of morality and, and being role models and things like that. Well, I, I don't buy it really. I, I, I just think that they're human like the rest of us and, and they make mistakes like the rest of us, which is why I would also say that, you know, you can, you can take them to task over things, but you know, there's also, you, you should also have a bit of empathy and a bit of understanding that, you know, they they have their frailties like the rest of us and, and they come under huge pressures you know like the rest of us and and as for covering you know these these big events you know that you're right there's been all sorts you know spot fixing against Pakistan uh, you know just over 10 years ago um, terror attacks in in Mumbai and and and, and in Pakistan um, you know uh, pedalo you know Freddie Flintoff getting on a pedalo in the Caribbean which you know, at the time was a huge deal, but, you know, probably seems quite tame now compared to, to some of the things um, that have gone on. So, yeah, when you're in the middle of, of those kind of stories, um, they are they're incredibly hard work. You, you know, you just you're on the phone, you're you, you, you're, you're doorstepping, you, you just try you're doing whatever you can um, to try and, you know, find the truth, find out what's going on using all your your contacts, your experience, your, you know, a, any which way you can to try and, and make sure that you're kind of getting to the bottom of, of the story or, or telling your readers, you know, giving them the most information that you possibly can. Um, really hard work, really demanding. You got a lot of pressure from, you know, your editors and, and, and the papers who, who want the best possible story. But, you know, hopefully um, you, 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 you manage to do that. You manage to get some some information and you manage to 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 tell the story as as best you can and when you kind of kind of come through the other side of it and and you almost sort of look back you're you're almost in a a bit of a daze a bit of a zone yourself um um wondering how you managed to write so many words and stay up as late as you did and you know you snatch a bit of sleep and then you go again and especially now with the demands of the internet you know trying to update online as as often as as quickly as you can so it's hard graft at times but I do think that there's a journalistic um, enjoyment that comes from that 
um, especially if you manage to, you know, either break that story or or find out something a, a little bit different or something a bit new, um, then yeah, definitely there's there's a bit of enjoyment that comes from it. But I think there's <laughs> there's also when you say you know whether there's a moment where you kind of wish that it wasn't happening. That I think there's probably that that um, apprehension when a huge story breaks because you you know what's to come you know that it's it's going to be a all, all hands to the pump and, and and a real um test of your of your skills as a journalist but um you know you get through it you do the best you can and and move on to the next how competitive is it like you, you mentioned about story like I say you you the jail that you imagine you're with the same group of journalists from other papers and other outlets quite often like in press boxes stuff is it quite competitive obviously you can be friends with all these guys but is there that like you mentioned before that i want to be the one to break it or i want to be the one who, who blows this open or that open does that exist even though you guys spend so much time together um it, it, it definitely exists yeah absolutely um we we often uh quote uh there's a, a journalist a chap graham otway who used to cover cricket extensively and, and, and now covers I think a bit of golf and 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 there's a quote from him which is to say I think there's a story that or a couple of stories on tour that um want to kind of kept to themselves or whatever and, and he came out and said this is the most cutthroat tour of all time and you know we, we often use that quote maybe as a bit of a, a joke but just to kind of r- remind ourselves that while we are friends and we are pretty collegiate that, you know, um, I don't think anyone would, would hesitate if they had a chance to, to, to grab a story that, that others couldn't. And, and, and there is that competitiveness. And, and I look at the, the pack at the moment and, you know, guys like Nick Holt, um, Ali Martin, John Etheridge, Paul Newman, you know, all these guys have been around for a long time um, and, and, a you know, really top journalists, you know, you've got to be at the top of your game to try and compete and, and, and get stories ahead of them. And, and, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, I mean, you know, it's, that's the nature of it, of, of the business, but, you know, you can always um, have a bite to eat, have a drink, have a laugh about, about the, the experiences that you had. And, and, and I do think as well that, you know, quite often, you know, some of your best, um experiences you know or your best uh, opportunities to learn come from your peers i think that works in sport as it does as journalists i think you, you learn a lot by by talking and and sharing a, a drink with with your colleagues um and and, and i think that's the same in journalism you know someone like you know george the bell or um, you know, you can sit down and have copious amounts of, of rum and coke and, you know, end up talking absolute nonsense. But, you know, along the way, you know, you'll, you'll pick up things from each other and, and you'll learn and hopefully improve as a, as a journalist. So um, there's definitely competition, but it's it's a it's the friendliest of competitions, I guess. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, a couple more for you. Firstly, you mentioned before about the Pakistani spot fixer scandal, and it was only what ten years ago. Now, as far as I'm aware, that they were working on that story at the News of the World for quite a while, and they managed to keep it in until the Sunday when it's the big release in the papers and stuff. 
Mm. Fast forward like 10, 11 years now, if something like that happens and you mentioned before the demands of online, is that kind of something that you think might have gone a little bit in that? That probably would have come out like straight away. It'd have been on social media or it would have had to go on a website just for this fear of getting scooped because there's so much more coverage and there's so much more information about or do you think there is still room for something like that where you, you can like you mentioned before hold on to something for a couple of days and then give it the big reveal um yeah yeah I, look I, I think it depends on, on what the story is i mean you know that that spot fixing uh, um story um you know was was a you know it was self-contained because it you know it was all set up by you know the sort of the fake shake and the and the you know the uh, the way that the news of the world operated in um in in those days uh or when when the news of the world was was around um and, and yeah you, you know you can still have your investigations and and still you know try and, and dig and, and and find out things that that you're confident that that nobody else will will have but there is also a, a slight imperative to to get a story out there as quickly as you can, because as I said before, you know, you're competing with some other really great journos. And so there's always a chance, you know, if you find out, if you, if something's happened that you managed to find out um, before it's been, been published anywhere, the first thing you do is, is wonder whether some, you know, if, if I found out, then maybe somebody else knows. And, and so time, you know, can be of, of the essence but then there's also, you know, you've also got to have your journalistic um, rigor. You know, you've, you've got to make sure, you know, you can't just print anything that somebody tells you, that you or there's a bit of hearsay or or what have you. You know, you, you have to try and make sure that whatever your whatever the story is. And it's, of course, the bigger the story, often the, the harder it is to stand up. But, um, you know, you have to go through your, your journalistic process to make sure that, what you know is is accurate and 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 is and is you know done properly um before going to print um so so those things do take time to, to sometimes to get a, a story stood up and and often the the period that's the period when you're probably worried most of all when you're trying to get something stood up um that so, that, that another paper or another uh, website is going to is going to scoop you and and get in there ahead of you but um i i suppose that's the nature of it you just try and and find out as much as you can, you know, as early as you can, um, in order to, to 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 avoid that. But it it does happen. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's move back onto the field then. Like you mentioned before, your first Ashes tour was 06, 07, and you went to the World Cup, for example. And in both of those storms, England were absolutely rubbish. Like they got battered, and and that's happened down the line. And then you've also managed to, you know, report on World Cup wins, Ashes wins, and stuff like that. What what what's easier for you? Is it is it easier when England are rubbish and there's lots to complain about, or is it better when they you know they are the best team in the world, or they're winning away in India, or they're winning, you know, I say World Cups and getting to T Twenty Finals. In terms of a journalist and your your role, is it is it better for um, them to be good or better to be, to be bad? Um, do you know what the, the, the honest truth is, is? Neither actually. The best thing is for them to kind of flip flip between the two. The 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 kind of the light and the shade, I think. You've got um, a sports team, then haven't you? Covered because that's England. You've just nailed England to a T, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing, the thing about um, anything, I think people get bored um, pretty quickly when things are, are the same, are, are quite monotonous. Um, 
and so uh, yeah, you know whether they're really good or really bad, you know um, the, the the variety is what kind of brings a lot of interest. I, I will say though that you know success for me is is great fun to write about because people are interested in, and it and and also people are, are happier when things are going well and and enjoy reading you know what you've got to say. So you know without question, I think that the you know the the, the best of the top three things that I've written about uh, when it comes to cricket um have been the the World Cup win um in 2019 you know that that, that incredible um final um four years of work you know culminating in a in a super over like that was was remarkable um you know probably after that then the ashes 10 11 I mean I, was, I said to you my first ashes tour was six seven. Um, I've been on four Ashes tours. Uh, three were utter disasters, <laughs> and one was successful. So, unsurprisingly, the successful one is is the one that I'm I kind of hold on to quite dearly. That was a that was a remarkable trip, ten eleven. Um, and then you know beyond that, the the, the World Cup win in in um, in the Caribbean, the World T20, two thousand and ten, just because um, you know it was a first kind of global tournament win for England it was um you know t20 cricket a great fun format of the game um and that I think really lent itself to the to the Caribbean it was a great atmosphere uh one of the greatest uh post-tournament parties I think that uh, I've ever seen afterwards and and for me personally you know as a as a you know British born but you know black um caribbean man you know the fact that i get to go to the caribbean and, and watch cricket is, is a, a great privilege and 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 i love that that tournament to bits so those are the those are the top three uh things that i think i've i've covered but um you know also you know going to australia and, and covering a whitewash you know six seven that was my first actually start. i i, I love that tour as well and uh, i personally had great fun on it but also you know the the narrative of, of England's woes w- was also quite fascinating to to write about and to cover and the, the the disintegration of a of a team from 05 and you know the the most remarkable summer of of cricket to the disintegration in 67 was a uh, an incredible narrative and then we, we had something similar as well the, the kind of disintegration of that 10-11 team that went on to become number one in the world and and then win the Ashes at home again in 13. But, you know, 13-14, it all it just blew up in the most spectacular and um, I suppose I can say now entertaining way, but um, it wasn't particularly entertaining for those involved and it was a, a brutal, a brutal trip, but um, journalistically absolutely fascinating and, and um, provided lots of interesting things to, to write about sorry that's a bit of a kind of sitting on the fence answer but um yeah both, both light and shade provide moments that you can uh, get your teeth into so you've got the perfect team if you want a handy mix of both i've been following them for too long to know that uh, <laughs> my, my final question i always ask this one is uh well you know looking forward to the future and i i send this podcast to various universities and stuff where students and young journalists can listen to people like yourself talking about your career and what's ahead but 
one thing I'd note with, with cricket at the moment is it's probably becoming maybe a little bit more accessible now. Again, we're starting to get, you know, there's going to be a tournament on free-to-air TV coming up down the line. We've got more games than ever. We've got, finally, we're going to have fans in stadiums again this summer and stuff. It, it, if you're on the outside that, if nothing else, the popularity of the game has a chance to improve. But with that in mind, do you think, is there any advice you would give to someone who, you know, there might be more opportunities coming up, there might be places creating new roles or whatever, like, how would you give a young journalist what, what advice would you give them in terms of getting started and and then you know trying to build a career to the point where maybe they, one day they they are or, or as part of the press pack going forward? Um, the, the the best advice I would offer to any young journalist or anyone starting out um, is is to always say yes. Um, I think that that for me that was something that I. I held on to um, at the start of my career, and when I say say yes, it's it's say yes to to every opportunity, say yes to every chance to 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 follow a journalist, to to do some work experience, to get to a game, to 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 do the you know the, the most mundane bit of work that you know probably you might even think is what's the point of it, but you know every little bit of experience that you can get is worthwhile. You know when I started. Um, I mentioned haters teamwork, you know, um, I, I used to do all sorts of kind of quite um, low, low skill, low rent jobs. And, and, and you know, it, it, it can be easy to be disheartened, I think, um, you know, early on. But you've got so much time and, and ahead of you that, you know, it is worth, you know, doing it all. You know, one of one of my first gigs was actually to go and, and cover. The, the the national school sevens rugby tournament now um it, it really was just a job of collating results you know at Ros- going to roslyn park and and you know making notes off the notice board of of who won what and all the results would go into the times it was the most basic of kind of data entry jobs that anyone could do but you know f- from doing that i you know i managed to uh, you know, one day there was a, a, an interesting story. There were a couple of players there that were destined to go on to to great things. Um, it was a year when Wellington College actually won the tournament. And um, in that team, there was um, James Haskell and uh, and Tom Evans. Now, both of them went on to be international rugby players. And, and, and as I moved through my career... You know, I ended up forming a reasonable relationship with James Haskell as a result of covering him at, you know, the Roslyn Park Sevens. You know, you never know what may come of any opportunity. So I would just say to to any young journalist, you know, don't be too proud. Just, um, you know, try and do as much as you can. Or, you know, if you have to make a choice between... So you have to make it, you know, make a bit of sacrifice when you're starting out. And if it's a choice between going on holiday or or going out with your mates or whatever, versus actually getting along to um, help your career, you know, it's it's worth doing it um, at the outset because you never know where it might lead. Just say yes to as as much as you can. Uh, that enthusiasm and that tenacity, that that those experiences, that resilience that you will gain from doing um, all those kind of jobs, they will stand you in really good stead. They'll make sure that when you get to a point in your career where 
you know you're not kind of doing those jobs anymore it also will mean will mean that you've got the ability to do it to, to to go that extra mile to make that extra phone call to to do something that might get you that story so um those are, are lessons and experiences that are well worth um grabbing hold of um at a young age um and then you know moving forward in your career from there so i think that's probably probably my number one tip Brilliant. Thanks, Dean. We'll leave it there. So, uh, again, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Um, and we'll be back next week with a, or down the line, rather, with a favourite edition of the Sport and Voices podcast. Until then, goodbye.